Welcome to episode 36 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live in studio from the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, and the man who will probably prove to be wrong in his Mount Rushmore list coming up, <laughs> John Sloat. Doc, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm well. I'm a I'm a little nervous about the shade you're already throwing at me for my well, Mount Rushmore list. You know, it is what it is. So um, we are um, certainly uh, we certainly enjoy having listeners connect with us on Twitter. You can do so at V and S Pod. You can email the show at various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page that you can also find, Various and Sundry Podcast. And arguably the most helpful thing you can do for us, besides, of course, downloading and listening, sure, is to leave a rating and a review. Now, a five-star rating. We want a five-star rating. Just to be clear. And in the review, you can put criticisms, anything like that. We're, we're happy to accept criticisms. Yes. But the five stars is key. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll just throw this out there that we are now— Three weeks removed from our last review. It's been a tough three weeks. It has. And yet, arguably, strangely, paradoxically, it has been arguably the um, most downloaded most three downloaded weeks, three weeks yeah. of the podcast's Agreed. history. So it's, it's not that people aren't listening. No. In fact, you and I look at each other and just go, who's listening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This past week was our largest week ever. So... Doing the deep dive on the numbers, we yeah. we continue to be delighted, delighted and befuddled yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the least, it seems like you're telling other people about the podcast, even yeah. if you're not taking the time to go actually write the review on the podcast app. You are clearly spreading the word, and so we're we're very grateful for that. Or or listening to it multiple times, <laughs> or uh, uh, at least telling everyone all all of your friends to download it. Yeah, or, or yeah absolutely something. Absolutely. And internationally as well. We've, we've got some international listeners. Yeah, we pulled down Poland this week. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah, well. And we do seem to have a listener in Finland. Not super consistent, okay. but but I would say we have a consistent listener in Spain, um, Belgium, yep. you know, kind of uh, Germany even, the land of sausage, really, you know. <laughs> okay. It's really where we, yeah. where we pull yeah. strong. There you go. There you go. So... In any case, uh, John, tell me a little bit about what's going on in the world of sports. Well, uh, the NBA playoffs are still going on. Um, I believe the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are your pick to go to the finals. That's is that correct. Right? Yeah, um, are in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, against the the Miami Heat. That's right. They were down three games to nothing. And uh, we're recording this on Monday, on Labor Day, laboring on Labor Day. And uh, yesterday's game, the Bucks, despite Giannis turning his ankle in the second quarter and not returning, managed to uh, stave off elimination, though it seems like it's only a matter of time for them. Without Giannis. Yeah. I though think so. They haven't ruled him out for a return in Game 5. But in any case, um, it's hard to envision them rallying all the way back. But, um, yeah, I, it's hard to know what to make of that. The 
this was the first loss in the playoffs for the Heat. They had swept the Pacers, and they won the first three against the uh, the Bucks. So the Heat are getting hot. They're beyond hot. They're in fuego. In fuego. <laughs> they are in fuego. Um, they have managed to um, until this past game. They they've just they move the ball really well, and they shoot the three exceptionally well. And so, and Jimmy Butler's a good playoff player. He is. He doesn't he is. get along with everybody, as displayed in Minnesota and uh, Philadelphia. But but he's a good playoff player. He is. He is. Uh, the other series in the East, your pick, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Staved off going down three games to nothing. Did you see this highlight? I did not. I did okay. not. They were down two games. Oh, is this the inbound pass with the three pointer? Yes. yes, that was beautiful. Yeah. So they're down two games to nothing to the Celtics. And um, the Celtics score on a uh, on a layup with like 0.5 left. So now they're now the the Raptors are down two, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so they take a timeout, advance the ball into the front court, and they've got 0.5 seconds. Otherwise, they're going down 3-0, and no team has ever come back. I don't think in the NBA playoffs from 3-0 or maybe there's been like one i think lebron might have one that was anyway, 3-1 that was 3-1 that was 3-1 okay. in the finals and so basically going down 3-0 is essentially a death wish it's sure it's just uh you know at that point you're starting to make your postseason plans and when you're going to leave the bubble mm-hmm. and so uh they throw this i don't know where nick nurse got this play from i think he stole it from hubie brown but basically i think it was kyle lowry throws this cross court pass basically from one sideline out of bounds spot all the way to the other side of the floor for i forget the player who caught the ball and hit the three but it's not one of the it wasn't one of their most dominant players it wasn't siakam uh it wasn't kyle lowry he was the one that threw the ball in so um guy catches and throws up a three that goes in wins the game and now the raptors won again was that yesterday or day before gotta be yesterday. so now the series yeah. is two two the Celtics were 0.5 seconds away from going up 3-0 and essentially locking up the series. So that play, um, that play, that inbound play, I did see that. Did you see who they had on Kyle Lowry? Inbounding it? I forget. Taco Falls. Oh, that's right, the 7-6 kid. Yes, and did you hear what Kyle Lowry said <laughs> with one of the great lines of the NBA no, season? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, well, I think there was an expletive in there, so I'll definitely leave that out. But basically, <laughs> okay. I got a seven twelve guy on me. <laughs> this is what he said. Yeah, Taco Falls, crazy tall man. Him and Boban would be. It'd be fun to watch them play one on one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's what's going on with the NBA playoffs. The other series. Um, so Rockets and Lakers tied at one, and I think the Clippers and um, Nuggets are tied at one. That sounds right. So. Uh, those series look very competitive, look like they could go, you know, six, seven games potentially. So that's the NBA. Tell us about your Mets, John. Yeah. So uh, the Mets over the weekend, the bats have picked up. The hitting has begun. They won 14 to one yesterday, which hasn't been the case this year. So um, there's 19, 17, 18, 19 games left, something like that. And uh, they're pushing for a playoff spot. So It'll be an exciting finish down the How many the playoff ladder. teams are they doing? Are they doing the normal, like, win the division and then, like, the no, play-in game, wild card stuff? Like, how are they doing this? So I believe it's two from every division. Okay. And some wild cards. So it's like half the league is getting into of course. to the playoffs. Of course. Because that's where the owners make their money in baseball. Right. They don't make money on the regular season, right? They make their money on the playoff, on the TV contracts in the playoffs. Okay. 
So your Mets have a realistic chance of, of getting into the playoffs? Sure. Under 500, yes, the Mets have a realistic chance of getting into the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Well, on a, on, a, on a sports note that we don't normally talk about, we yet. have— a, we have Yet. Yet. Well, it hasn't, I mean, you know— do we have plans on talking about uh, Grand Slam tennis here about U.S. Open tennis? Oh no, sorry, I was going. Sorry, I'm a I'm a I'm a segment ahead on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we that we have talked about that, but in any case, um, there was an interesting incident in the U.S. Open, the tennis tournament, which I used to play tennis, so I, I keep a modest interest on the on the Grand Slam uh, events. But um, Novak Djokovic the number one seeded player in the U.S. Open men's tournament, was um, was defaulted. And what does defaulted mean just for our non— Disqualified, okay, basically. Okay. Because in the middle of the match, after I think after he lost a point, he took a ball out of his pocket and in frustration hit it back, toward, back behind him, not really paying attention to where he was hitting it. Hit it pretty hard, and it hit a woman line judge and— injured her like knocked her out not not like out out but like you on the replay of it you see him do this and then you hear her like like oh like 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 it's it's an unpleasant sound and so basically they they disqualified him for for this act so just a a weird sort of unusual and what was his reaction was his reaction was he upset was he i did not see any post-match response by him um on the court, as he was discussing this with the officials, he did not seem animated or like um, argumentative on the court about. Was that. there concern for the woman on his part? I, I think so. Okay, like he. I think, That's what I would expect. I think to when see. it happened, he did realize what he had done and then walked over to see what had happened. So yeah. it wasn't like he was callously like whatever. So, hmm. In any case. There's your U.S. Open tennis update. Unexpected little uh, nugget there. Yeah. Who knew U.S. Open's going on right now? Yeah. Who, who knew? Yeah. Weird to see it without people in the stands, essentially. Weird but to see everything without I know. It. Yeah. Speaking of things that will be a little different, we are now just, uh, we're recording on Monday of Labor Day. So we're what, like three days away? Yeah, from Thursday the, night. From the kickoff of the NBC. NFL season? Yeah, NBC has a football game. Okay. A, a, a regular it's, season football game. It's Texans-Chiefs, right? That sounds right. I think that's right. Um, this, this is what gets me about the NFL this year. I don't think I had any idea it was coming until last week before we started recording. You looked at me and goes, do you, you want to talk NFL? Why? It starts in 10 days. What? Yeah. It feels like it snuck up on me. I feel unprepared for it. Yeah. Um, fantasy football hasn't drafted. I don't know that it will draft. Um, oh, my sons were in a league that drafted last night. So I'm in a league with guys I went to college with, and okay. there's one guy in Pennsylvania who who does all the drafting for us, and it's called Winona Lake Past and Present. Okay. Those of us who currently live in Winona Lake and those of us who know – it's kind of clever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just haven't heard anything in the NFL. There's been no preseason. Well, that's what I think has um, – probably helped catch you off guard is normally we have these preseason games where there's four preseason games and you know the the first one like the starters play a series and then they're out and then like the second one they play like a quarter maybe maybe into the second quarter and then the third one they play typically the first half and then like a a series series in the third quarter 
And then the fourth one, they typically don't even play. And that's where you get to see guys fighting for roster spots and and some of these guys that were later round draft picks that you're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to stick with the team. Um, So without that kind of buzz of, oh, wow, this guy who was a sixth round draft pick or an undrafted free agent is actually going to make the team and and make a splash on the team, you don't have any of that talk. Um, So I think that's part of the reason why it's kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, yeah. But you're, it is it is Houston and Kansas City. Okay. This uh, this Thursday night, eight twenty start. Whew. I'm in a, I'm getting old. Like I I have like maybe a quarter and a half of that game, and then I'm going to bed. Well, that works well for my mentor group, actually. That, that you probably get start. done about eight twenty with with mentor group. Mm, no, closer to nine. More like uh, nine thirty typically, uh, and then we watch um, usually the rest of the first half. Hmm. So that'll be about right. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Any any particular storylines or things that you're interested to see for the NFL this year? Um, I mean, I'm always looking forward to the Cowboys imploding. Uh, always, uh, always. Uh, well, I'm going to be really excited to see Tampa Bay this year and see what uh, the cream sickle does with Tom Brady. <laughs> yes, and Gronk, right? And Didn't Gronk. Gronk came out of retirement to play with uh, Tom and Tampa. Yeah. I, Putting Gronkowski in in Tampa or anywhere in Florida really seems like a risk to me, given his proclivities towards partying. I mean, yeah, not that he couldn't find a party anywhere. You know, I mean, you could stick him in the middle of. He could uh, find one in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah he could find one. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, uh, Patriots are always interesting without 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 Brady. You know, and Cam Newton and Cam Newton's there. What will Bill Belichick do with him? Yeah, will Bill comment on his wardrobe choices? Um, Did you see he's doing a commercial, by the way? Bill Belichick is doing a Subway commercial. Why? I don't know. They must be paying him <laughs> truckloads of money. It's it's very strange to see him pitching a product like that. Does he mumble the whole time? Or like, what, what's the what's the pitch? Um, he he's, he's advocating for a, a Subway sandwich. There's a nice little, uh, you know, he has a nice little moment with a fan. Um, where he uh, cuts off the sleeves to his shirt to mimic the sweatshirt, the the, the sleeveless sweatshirt that, that Bill likes to rock. So, man, I wonder what bet he lost. You know? I don't know. I don't know. They must. Subway must have backed up the the Brinks truck to his yeah. to his home and just just dumped buckets of cash on him. In any case, um, I I think for me it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, can the Chiefs repeat? That is an interesting storyline. I think Seattle's always interesting with Russell Wilson. Yep. Um, the 49ers, do they take a step back with Garoppolo or do they do they take a yeah. step forward? Um, and the Browns. The Browns came into the last last season like, oh, they're going to be a playoff they're gonna team. Be great. They could be it competing was... for the Super Bowl. And it was a dumpster fire. Sure. And sure. so it'll be interesting to see with, with the talent they have, can they figure it out? I don't know what to do with my Jets uh, this year. Sam Darnold's entering his third year, which is typically the year where they take off a little bit if, right. if a quarterback's going to stick. Um, the defense, I don't even know what to expect. Um, and they've been they've signed some offensive linemen, which I'm very excited. They they got that mountain man out of Louisville, yeah, um, who's just a, a massive person to play tackle. So, well, I don't know what to expect from the Jets this year. I think, yeah. I'm probably expecting eight and eight. Okay. 
Yeah, though 8 and 8 comes in different varieties, right? Sure. There's the, you're kind of 500 most of the year and you end up 8 and 8. There's the, we started 5 and 3, we're in contention, and then you finish the season 3 and 5. Or there's the, you started 2 and 6. And you finish and eight you're and eight. out of mm-hmm. the playoffs, and then you start winning meaningless games and get to eight and eight. Yeah, not not every eight and eight is created equal. No, no. I, I'm interested to see um, the new crop of Ohio State players that got drafted. Will they make an impact? Dwayne Haskins starting his second year now, and uh, with the Washington football team. Yeah, with the Washington football team. Unfortunately, he's still with the Washington football team, and so you know the coaching and the development is not great. But uh, although I do like the coach he's with, I do like uh, Ron Rivera. Yeah, I think I think that was a pretty good hire for them. Um, and the Redskins do. Or sorry, football team, Washington football team, the the, the team. Yeah. What what do you even call them for short? Washington. Well, you want to know what? It seems like soccer can get away with that, right? Um, the the football club of right. of Manchester, whatever. Right. I know I'm getting that wrong, but um, you can direct all of those nasty tweets to yeah. John at Sloat. Underscore John, right? No, it's the other way around. John uh, underscore John slow. underscore slow. Sorry, um, but yeah, it feels <laughs> it feels like soccer can get away with that. But football, this is a crime. You know that, yeah. that they don't have a nickname, right? But the 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 Washington football team did draft Chase Young, dominant, okay, defensive end in college. We'll see how he does. Um, and uh, J.K. Dobbins playing with the Ravens. That'll be an interesting, I think. Um, pairing with uh, Lamar Jackson in the backfield. So those are some things I'm interested in looking at. But Okay. You ready to move on to our main topic? We better move on to our main topic. What is our main topic today, John? So uh, we're going through some list, which, you know, some top fours, but basically we're calling it the Mount Rushmore um, episode. So yeah, and we should give credit to... Chase Ringler. Yes. Who, Chase, Chase from Indiana. Oh, curses. Um, yes. <laughs> Chase from Indiana. <laughs> I may have to get the bleeping technology out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Chase sent us this. We were excited about it. Um, it's so actually we, part of the Q&A. When we solicited Q&A, yeah. he uh, suggested this, and we thought it was a an excellent idea and decided, why don't we blow that up into just a main topic of Mount Rushmore lists? And so now, just to be clear, we have not consulted before going on. No, not at all. We we agreed on what topics we would work through, and um, and then um, but we did not share our list with each other. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much overlap there is or there is not. Hmm. And so um, we didn't do any scientific process. I think I just decided that you would go first on our okay. first category, which is dead theologians. Dead theologians. So our Mount and Rushmore of dead theologians. Personally impactful to us, dead theologians. That's how you interpreted it. That's how I interpreted it. Okay. That's how I'm choosing to interpret it. Okay. Well, that might that might result in some differences. Yeah. Uh, okay. So do do we want to go every other you and I, or do you want me to give me my? I whole think list? I want to hear. I think we should give the full four. The full the full and list. And then. Yeah. Okay. Um, so dead theologians that I find particularly impactful to me and uh, in my development. Um, uh, number one on the list, and these aren't in any particular order. This is just how I thought about them. I had John Stott down. Okay. I like me some John Stott. Okay. There's some good commentaries there. Uh, number two, uh, I have uh, C.S. Lewis. Okay. Um, number three, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay. 
And finally, number four, I have John Owen. Okay. Mortification of Sin. All right. Do we have any overlap whatsoever? Nope. Okay. And and I think part of it is because I I took it the direction of the four greatest, most historically significant, mm. not personally um, impactful. Okay, I did to me. personally impactful. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So here is my list of 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 four here. I have got Augustine. Yeah, it's hard to argue. It feels like everybody builds off Augustine to a certain extent, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Part of what's great about Augustine is the fact that you can find almost any position, theological position you want to advocate for in Augustine. Because sure. he was all over the map, changed his mind regularly. So Catholics love him, Protestants love him. He's he's kind of everybody's favorite. Everyday philosophers love him. Except for Pelagius. Yeah. <laughs> Pelagius he he did not love him. Not a big fan. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to go with um, John Calvin. Of course, yeah. And um, I would say that these are still very personally impactful to me. So I, I, I'm not— would you, would you have Augustine up there as personally impactful for you? Yeah. Really? Based, based on confessions and based okay. on um, City of God. Okay. I, I'd go with those. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, third on there. Yeah, uh, again, I, knew, not, I knew Edwards would be on there. Again, not necessarily in order here. And then the fourth one I debated. I went back and forth, back and forth. And I went ultimately with Thomas Aquinas. Interesting. Talk to me about Aquinas. Uh, big on faith and reason. Yeah. Big on trying to bring those two worlds together and mm-hmm. try to explain how those two um, serve the life of Christ and or serve our understanding of Christ and, and, and the gospel. Um, again, not fully endorsing everything that uh, sure sure that any of these individuals were. We're advocating necessarily. I, I I almost went with Athanasius. Really, Mister Trinity, man. Yeah, he he held the fort on 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 Nicene Trinity, hmm. Nicene Trinitarianism. So, so um, yeah, I, I I thought about Lewis out of your list. The only one I thought of, and and Owen probably would would have made for me maybe a second mountain. <laughs> so he's in the top eight, probably. Okay, okay, probably Lewis as well in that in that. That's borderline. Um, again, p- p- part of me gets hung up on theologian. Mm-hmm. Like Lewis wasn't really a theologian; he was an apologist. He was an apologist and um, a, a very powerful um, spokesperson for Christianity, mere Christianity. So I'm I'm taking theologian pretty loosely in both these categories because I have some pastors in in the second category of of living. Um, yeah, I think that— um, And I thought about Augustine, too. I just haven't found Augustine as personally uh, Not even impactful. Confessions? Confessions was great, and I really enjoyed Confessions. Aren't you um, reading City of God right now? I'm reading City of God right now. Yeah? Although Nothing? I'm finding City of God pretty thick. It is thick, um, So, But it's like I'm, I'm knocking out like a few pages a day sort of, sort of pace. But— um, I mean, I, I love me some John Owen. Um, he is— uh, in addition to his uh, mortification of sin, death of death, death and the of death, death of Christ, Christ, absolutely helping to articulate um, the uh, traditional Calvinist position of um, particular redemption, sometimes known as limited atonement, and so um, that's that's money right there. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, he he wrote. 
towards the end of his life, some reflections on the glory of Christ that are just hmm. deeply moving. So hmm. do you have the set? Do you have John Owen's set of works? I don't. I don't. I have Death of Death and Death of Christ, and I had Mortification of Sin. I loaned it to um, I loaned it to my mother, and I just never received it back. Celeste. I know. I think it's gone forever. <laughs> wow. Throwing her under the bus there. Yeah. Um, It'll can, be a good test to see if she listens or not. Yeah, there you, know? you go. You can, you, can, uh, you can often get his collected works, like 16 volumes, from, um, oh, who is it? Banner of Truth, I think, sometimes has it. You can sometimes get that hmm. collection for around 250 so it's a chunk. But um, that and his Hebrews commentary. You ever seen that? His Hebrews commentary. It's like six or seven volumes. Really? Separate from the... Uh, from the collected works. Hmm. That's a very no, I don't deep think I've dive. Seen that. Yeah. Hmm. So would would warmly commend that to all you. All right. Well, we could talk about these these eight all day, but yeah. do you want to move on to living? Probably should. Yep. So I guess I'm up first on this one, right? Yes. So, um, and and here's where I will when I hear the term theologian coming from the academy, typically theologians are distinguished from biblical scholars and you know, and that kind of thing and you know, so I'm joining you and using it a little bit more broadly, but still thinking sort of historically speaking, who have had the most mm-hmm. significant impact. So I'm not necessarily going personal. You're not going personal. Okay. No, and I'm going a little bit more from my own from our own tribe. So okay. not necessarily moving outside. So here we go. Uh, first is uh, Kevin Van Hooser. Van Hooser. So Van Hooser has had, um, I think, a, a pretty significant impact um, of trying to push evangelicals to think a little more broadly on, on, hmm. on certain issues, in particular on the issues of interpretation, while still arguing for uh, authorial intent. He's done it in a far more, what I would contend is a far more uh, philosophically grounded, um, nuanced way than sometimes we in the evangelical camp have. Number two, Don Carson. Don yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need to say any more. I don't think so either. Yeah, um, I actually intentionally left him off my list because I figured he'd be on your list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, and again, thinking like impact-wise, Wayne Grudem. Yeah. His, his systematic theology book is the dominant textbook used in evangelical seminaries for the past 25 to 30 years now. Yeah. And um, it is widely considered kind of the go-to resource on that front. And then fourth, uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to cheat a little bit. JI Packer. Oh well. I mean, he just died. <laughs> he just died within the last couple months. So, I'm I I Yeah, that I'm I'm going to cheat. I thought you were about to say, "Well, I'm going to pick up biblical theologian or, you know, a, a, No. No, I'm going to go Anglican with, or something with, like that. But, well, well Packer, Packer is Anglican. Anglican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think on the popular level, he's just had such a he's remarkable unmatched. Yeah. Uh, impact as well. So there's my four. Okay. What do you got? Um, so we have no overlap. Um, <laughs> of course. And, uh, and intentionally so. I think it's a better, I don't know, it's better content if we don't have any overlap. Um, but my four, um, I think I could, you could probably name the first one. Could probably name the first one. Well, I, I don't know where you're going. I, yeah, so, so I, I take theologian probably even more broadly than you do. Okay, um, but I'm going Tim Keller with the first one there. 
Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. N- I'm not disrespecting. I, I just don't think of him in that primary category. Yep. And I took it theologian, pastor, pastor, theologian yeah. sort of uh, sort of area. But somebody that's had the most development on me, somebody mm-hmm. that I'm reading constantly, Keller. Um, second, I have Tom Schreiner. Okay. Um, I recommend just about everything that Shriner's written. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, I had him at Southern as well, mm-hmm. and he's just a delightful human to interact with. One of the nicest men you will ever meet. Yeah. And one of the most unassuming. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just encountered him at the grocery store or watching, like, a, a Little League baseball game or something, you'd have no idea he was kind of a big deal in our tribe. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, a, he's just so, so nice. I remember presenting a paper to him and him... Ripping into me a little bit, and then uh, and then afterwards, kind of coming back and go. So you got in the MLB playoffs, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Um, uh, third, not that I always recommend or agree with everything he says. N.T. Wright. Um, N.T. Wright is goodness. He's just a part of every conversation. It feels like we have at some level when it comes to biblical interpretation and uh, uh, biblical theology. It is theology. hard to argue against his um, significance. With mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I couldn't decide on a fourth one. I kind of kept going back and forth. I ended up uh, choosing Kevin D. Young. Okay. Younger guy. I've always appreciated his preaching, uh, have always enjoyed his writing as well, particularly at a popular level. So those are my four. Um, okay. That are not historically significant, but personally significant. Well, we said current. Current, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you can debate the historical significance or whatever and uh yeah you, you went you went a little broader in terms of pulling in pastoral considerations there so mm-hmm. um so yeah i think in light of that it's hard to hard to argue some of those um yeah maybe maybe kevin de young i think on the same level as those other three mm-hmm. despite the fact that i, I find him Quite enjoyable. Enjoy, always enjoy his his writing and his his teaching. So, I really wanted to put Don Carson there, but I knew you would have Don Carson in your list, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to match it up completely. Okay. Okay. So we've got a few more lists that we're departing more into the sports realm here. So trigger warning for yeah, those of you out for there who, don't like sports. who do not like sports. Um, we'll, we'll try to keep it entertaining for you. So. We're going to go all-time NFL quarterbacks. All-time NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. And I, you know, you're you're going to hate me for the way I interpret this again. But I, I went quarterbacks that I enjoyed watching the most. So I, I, stuck, I stuck to more modern quarterbacks. Um, so so am, I, am I not going to get – okay, I, I, I was I – was, I had almost had you written down for a, a Joe Willie Namath. But if, well, you I never have, saw him. I have another list coming up. <laughs> Okay, that's true. That's true. Um, so, and then that's otherwise. I think Joe Willie would have been on this list. Okay. Um, all right, Peyton Manning. Okay, right up there. Um, and I think regardless of all time or um, or just a quarterback, I enjoyed watching. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning's going to be on that list. Okay. Uh, uh, and then um, another modern quarterback I'll put on that list: Drew Brees. Always fun to watch. Always a, always a good quarterback to watch. Uh, and then two quarterbacks that are probably a little off the radar. Not like you'll know the names, but um, they probably aren't as prominent as the other two. I put Steve McNair 
<laughs> it's definitely not as prom. I, I know who Steve McNair is. Um, but Steve McNair, I just remember growing up, living in Tennessee at the time, and watching Steve McNair play in Sundays, uh, uh, week in, week out. And he was a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Either he's Air McNair. Air McNair in the Super Bowl. Um, kind of, He kind of had that Ben Roethlisberger sort of feel before Ben Roethlisberger. He's always hurt with a million injuries, always standing up in the pocket, getting taking a million hits and throwing yep. the ball downfield. Um, and then somebody else that in growing up lived in Chattanooga for about five to six years, uh, Michael Vick. Um, there was just nothing like Michael Vick. Watching Michael Vick uh, uh, take off, particularly I, the one famous run against the Minnesota Vikings where he's just weaving in and out of people was great. Um, and so okay. those are my those are my top four all-time favorite to watch. There's a podcast. Have you listened to the podcast that um, does a deep dive into um, Steve McNair's murder? I did, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. That's I a, forget the name of it. but I can't remember it either. Sports Illustrated, I think. Uh, yeah. But it was... Did it have Titan in the name of it? Yes. Um, I can't remember. But it was a weird a weird situation. Yeah. They didn't really come to any sort of conclusion. No. But a lot of conspiracy in there. And yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah. All right. Give me your, your four all-time. Do we have any overlap whatsoever? Uh, we do. We do have one. Uh, and I took this as my attempt to actually list the four greatest NFL quarterbacks in NFL history. Yeah. And I went off book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not listing these in order, so you know I the, I just I, I felt good about three. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana, as much yeah. as I Joe Montana's got to be up there. Disliked Joe Montana. Um, you see, if I didn't like them, I didn't put them on my list. Yeah, obviously, because um, <laughs> the next one you're going to hate. Yeah, I know. I know which one you're going to say. Tom Brady. Oh, goodness. Peyton Manning's my third. Okay. And then I debated. I I debated. Um, Breeze kind of floated around in my consciousness for a little bit. I mean, he's setting NFL records in terms of, and the yeah, fact he's, that he's, he's six foot tall. He's fun to watch. And he's too. a lot of fun to he's watch. A, seems and like he's a, a good guy. And he's a good dude. Yeah. So, um, but I narrowed it down to either Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Favre. Yeah. Or Dan Marino. I know you're not going to like oh, that because you're a Jets I don't, fan. I don't like the, I don't like the Dan But Marino when I was thing. growing yeah. up in the 80s, there was no one like Dan Marino. Right. Guy just threw the ball all, all over the all over the field. Well, he's Twenty years too early. He had the um, he had the the Marks brothers. Where it was the nickname <laughs> for his two wide receivers, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. I think were the names, and they just threw it all over the field. Got to the Super Bowl his rookie year. I think they lost. And everyone's like, ah, he'll get back and he'll win a Super Bowl. Probably two or three. Never got back. Never got back. So he's in that category of, you know, best, best to never win a, a championship kind of guy. Um, so yeah, my dad always talked about the fake spike by Dan Marino yeah. against the Jets. Yeah, um, Favre was just a lot of fun to watch. Favre was fun to watch, and he always seemed to pull some sort of miracle out of thin air. Yeah, I mean, he made it like it, he looked like he was playing backyard football, just running around, running around, and then just making passage. Like, what is he doing? Throwing that? Oh, that's a touchdown. Okay. I, I heard a story one time where Brett Favre was was kind of going like, "Hey, I keep hearing about this nickel defense in the NFL. What is the nickel?" <laughs> yeah, and like, are, "You're serious?" Goes, yeah. yeah, it's where they bring a fifth defensive back on the field. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we are not being very disciplined in our time, oh, and so we've got um, 
Uh, how do you want to do this? You want you try to get through the rest of them, or yeah, let's get through uh, okay, NBA let's, players. Let's make them quick, though. Do you okay. want to? And again, I took it as personal. Of course, which ones I liked. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, any non Knicks in there, John? Let me guess. Patrick I, Ewing made that list. Ewing made that list. Yeah. John Stark made that list. No, John Stark. I almost went John Stark because he was my childhood hero. Okay. Um, but <laughs> Give me your list. Ewing, uh, Bernard King, of course, which is a little little more historical, but fun fun player. Yeah. Um, Steph Curry. Um, okay, Ugh. and here's my reasoning. Ugh. My reasoning on Steph Curry, I thought about this a lot, was probably four or five years ago, there was nothing more exciting than a Steph Curry three-pointer in, in the NBA. I remember watching the playoffs and just watching three-pointers go up, and it was just the building was ecstatic. I, I will give you that he has transformed the game because of his three-point shooting and the range that he would shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no doubt about that. Um, Sadly— Quick note, that's had, I think, a bad effect on lower levels of basketball. I'm sure. We're watching junior high and high school basketball and even college. You see guys pulling up from 25 or 30 feet, and you're like, you're not Steph Curry, dude. Like, I know Steph Curry can do that. I know Dame Lillard can do that. You should not be pulling up from 30 feet. Sorry. And you want to know what? I see some guys in the NBA do it that maybe shouldn't be doing it. Um, So uh, Steph Curry, just because I— He's been a lot of fun to watch over the years. Um, and then uh, more as a broadcaster, um, but was an excellent player, Clyde Frazier. Of course. <laughs> well, I- I'm glad to see you threw one non-Nick on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I went historical greatness. <laughs> and so I was good about— No, my- no overlap? No. <laughs> no. Um, my first three were easy. Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, and LeBron. In that order? Uh, no order? No order on that. Okay. The fourth one I debated and landed on Kareem. Yeah. I, think I hated Kareem. going with the second center, but he was just longevity, all-time leading scorer, all those sure. kinds of things. And created a shot that no one can block. So those are my NBA lists. Okay. Now, pandering to our special interests. Okay. This might be the most fast-forwarded part of the uh, yeah. of episodes okay. to date. So do I go first? Am I, am I up first? I, uh, I think you got me first, but I did okay. NBA first. But, all right. Doesn't matter. Okay. So my four Jets um, yes. of all time, um, Joe Namath. Of course. Joe Willie Namath. Joe Willie Namath. Yeah. Um, Curtis Martin. Okay. Hard to argue with Curtis, Curtis Martin. Curtis, my favorite Martin. Yes. Curtis, my favorite Martin. <laughs> um, I mean, like fifth or sixth all-time rushing, all-time, uh, rushing leader. Um, and, then, and then this one was my reach. Uh, Somebody that I loved watching through high school and college was Jericho Cotchery. Yeah. Who would just catch anything was thrown at him. Remember one time he pulled a hamstring on a play and uh, they threw the ball and it was behind him and he still was able to catch the ball. Uh, he was he was a lot of fun to watch just because he was a good possession receiver. And then Darrell Rivas. Of course. Rivas Island. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are my four Jets. Okay. Uh, I do not have a Jets list. I have a Ohio State, Ohio State football list. Okay, so um, in no particular order here, Woody Hayes. Oh, legendary coach. coach. Yeah. Legendary coach. Archie Griffin. Okay, of course. Two time Heisman, Heisman winner. Trophy winner. Eddie George. Yep. And then I debated on this last one. I almost went with Orlando Pace, the most dominant offensive lineman I've ever seen in college. Tackle, guard? Tackle. Yeah. And had a Hall of Fame career in the NFL with the Rams. And was on a recent commercial, I saw. I ended up going with Chris Spielman. I think 
historically speaking, he was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And um, he at one point held the career record for tackles and the single game record. He had 29 tackles in a game against the team up north. Went on to, uh, to and he's just, he, he has been a spokesperson for the institution. And um, yeah, so I think historically significant, uh, that's the direction I went there. Okay. Well, that brings us to our athlete. It does bring us to our athlete. Who we got for 36, John? So uh, 36 is a, a thin number. It is. Um, and I don't mean that by uh, the people that we have on the list. It's it's not many people have worn 36. Yeah. Uh, so there's some opportunity out there for a young lad who wants to <laughs> enter the professional ranks and, and dominate the number 36. There you go. Um, first of all, let us let us say that Shaquille O'Neal did wear this number, but for his last season in the NBA. So yeah, we, that we doesn't did, really We didn't count, count him. Um, Jerome Bettis. The bus. The bus for the Steelers, um, who, you know, was a, was a very, very good running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Smart, uh, current Celtic, which, is he on the Celtics still? He is, yeah. Okay, we're reaching. Yeah. Um, and Rashid Wallace. Yeah. Uh, famous bald spot. Yeah, and he was one of the first big guys to shoot the three mm-hmm. consistently. Like, he was like 6'10", six, 6'11". Six, yeah, I remember him with the long pi- and lanky, the Pistons, those those very very good Pistons teams, and then with the uh, the Blazers as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was kind of a, a character as well. Yeah. So, well, him and Ben Wallace on the same team, I yeah. think, were were a lot of fun together. Interesting dude. Uh, in terms of Ohio State, uh, Tom Cousineau, a linebacker in the seventies, and then Chris Spielman also wore number thirty six, uh, linebacker from nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty seven. Uh, in addition to his uh, exploits on the field, uh, he's been a had a lengthy NFL career with the Lions. is now an NFL broadcaster, and um, after the uh, after the passing of his wife Stephanie, I think about six or seven years ago, he started the Stephanie Spielman Cancer Foundation to raise money for cancer research and, and that kind of thing. Um, so he is a he is a Buckeye legend. Just. Mm-hmm. He's an old school football kind of guy. Hmm. So, all right. Which way you want to go? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say that if I got my way, <laughs> I'd pick Jerome Bettis. Okay. Um, I personally got to watch him uh, in his last season. Saw his last game at Heinz Field. Uh, saw him play the Bears that year, where he had a sixty, I think, a sixty yard run down the sideline in the snow. Um, I really enjoyed Jerome Bettis. However, I'm going to leave the choice to you. Wow. Wow. Okay. And I know that you really want to pick Chris Spielman. I do. I do. Um, but I'm going to leave the choice to you. I am not opposed to Jerome Bettis, but I don't have strong feelings about Jerome Bettis. I have pretty strong feelings about Chris Spielman. Again, it's your decision. Okay. All right. Well, I, I realize that um, this will, you know, come back around at some point when we lean towards. I, I defer to you when uh, when we get to a player. So, uh, I, I did take thirty three. I did make a decision on thirty three. Yeah, I think we should go with Chris Spielman. Okay. Okay. One thing you liked, John. 
one thing I like, uh, this week I uh, met up with some friends uh, in Winona, went out on their boat um, for an evening, midweek uh, tour around the lake. And, uh, and Was this the Grace boat? No, 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 no. This was not the Grace oh. College boat. This Did was, you know we have a boat? Yeah, we, we, we do have a boat. Okay. We have a couple of boats, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, this was just on their pontoon. We're just cruising around. And we came across something that I had never seen before, and it was called a foil. Have you heard of this? I'm not sure I have. It is basically, now they make them both motorized and ones that you can just be behind the boat, but it's basically a surfboard with a piece that goes deep and has a fin. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is when you get up to speed, you're lifted up out of the water, and it looks like you're on just a peg in the water. <laughs> it's very <laughs> okay. interesting. Go Google it. It was it was fascinating. I obviously didn't get on it, but I right. watched it, <laughs> and it was it was fascinating to watch. And it was just a lovely evening out on the boat. Okay, that's nice. How about yourself? So this past week we had good friends visit uh, the Alexanders. Um, yeah, good friends from the Chicago area. Um, when we both lived in the Chicago area, we were um, constantly around each other and uh, involved in each other's lives very, very closely. And despite the fact that we've moved on here to Indiana, been here for the last 14 years, and they've been in, uh, in the Chicago area still, uh, we've kept in good contact with them. And it was nice to see them and their six children. Ooh. So, um, yeah, they're taking Genesis 128 pretty seriously. So. Yeah. In any case, nice to nice to be with them. So glad glad that they were able to to stop in for a few days as part of their vacation. So, well, are we uh, are we ready to call mission accomplished here? I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I feel like I feel like we've uh, lived up to our name, various and sundry. Yeah. I think so. I think yeah. so. So I I think that um, we probably should move on with the rest of our day, and uh, you know we are laboring on Labor Day here at, at Grace College and Theological Seminary. That's right. Yeah, we take it seriously. I taught my class this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm off to a meeting next. So with that said, I think all we uh, all we have to leave you with is the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.